Hey, everybody, Tom and Keith with you. A tip of the cap to the Dunlap Champions Club, which allows us to bring Front Row Knowles to you via the podcast, commercial-free each and every week. You know, one of the things that's interesting is we've now got a, a little bit of um, the season under the belt, and, and people are familiar with the Champions Club, uh, enjoying all the uh, club-level amenities, the food, the soft drinks, access to beer, wine, mixed drinks. Uh, you you, you got to check this place out. If you hadn't had a tour, Make sure you call 850-583-9066, line one. You can set up a tour. You can also call that number to buy your tickets. Uh, but it's something you should educate yourself about before you make the decision not to because I think once you get in there and look at it, you'll go, I want to. It's a, tr- it's a tremendous experience for sure. And you don't have to buy the, the full season. You can do a half-season package, which uh, you can choose the Miami or Louisville games in any two of the other four games. Uh, so basically, you can spend three games in the Dunlap Champions Club, test drive it, sample it, figure out if it's for you. We encourage you to do so, and we thank them for their support. Now, Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. It may be hump day, but we are over the hump, Keith. We are deep into August now. It's almost a game week. There is excitement looming on the horizon. Correction, it is game week. There are a few games coming up this weekend. I meant you want to go to Australia. You want to go to Australia? It took eight seconds of the show for you to correct me, which may be a new record. I'm Tom. He's Keith. Welcome to Front Row Knowles. Florida State will enter a game week very soon. Alabama is ten days away. The hype continues to build. I was a little disappointed that the Knowles didn't end up number two, but one verse three is still a pretty nice place to start. Well, uh, it, it is the highest uh, ranked. Two, it's the GOAT. Two, two ranked team. The GOAT uh, greatest uh, all, uh, all time or however that goes. Uh, you want to write it out? No. Greatest I'll, I'll, opener all time. G-O-A-T. There we okay. go. By the way, I tell you, it's, at some point in time, I'm going to get two goat, live GOATs. Oh, boy. I'm going to name them Rosencrantz and Guildenstern after the characters from one of Shakespeare's play and call them Rosie and Guildy. <laughs> Kathy says that I'll be doing that as a single man again. I, anyway, might, I might anyway. be hosting this show as a single host. <laughs> <laughs> but at any rate, at any rate, uh, it is one versus two. If you look at schools with the most wins over the last seven years or whatever that stat is so we'll we'll go with that in terms of making it it's still a huge game and there's and it's a awful lot of excitement as has been uh, talked about you and i have not really dug down into the nitty-gritty and the details uh, involving this year's team this matchup we're going to do that more today tim linefeld our seminoles.com insider will join us we're going to uh, welcome the return of rapid fire and keith i gave him a warning via social media but I actually have scripted questions here. I actually spent some time, perhaps over an adult beverage last night, you just trying to make out me, some questions. Just trying to make me look bad? I did at least two minutes more prep for the show today than you did. Well, I was, you, however, I was engaged last night on were, behalf of the organization. This is, how, this is how we know football season is approaching. Keith Jones' personal calendar fills up because... You really have to work through through his contact to get him on the... Have your people call my people. To get him to be a, a speaker of, at your venue. But you were on display uh, in all your glory last night at the Tallahassee Quarterback Club. So, I Phil, was, I was. enlighten us. Uh, great group. And, and hats off to the Tallahassee Quarterback Club. Uh, I, my estimate, there's probably 300 people there. Uh, it was on the third floor there at the UCC. Um, 
Johnny Devine is the uh, uh, current president, and uh, he's a character uh, all his own. We'll save that for uh, another day and another time. But uh, they had AV equipment, and and, uh, they had guest speakers, uh, one of which was myself. uh, And, of course, Jimbo was the featured attraction. It was interesting because, obviously, FSU practiced yesterday afternoon, and then Jimbo had the debriefing, and then he had his press conference. So uh, he he was not there. Normally, your guest speaker sits there at the front table, and people come up, ask for autographs, and interrupt them while they're eating. Uh, Jimbo never got to eat, <laughs> and as soon as he walked in the door, he was escorted to the podium, and he spoke. Uh, and uh, nothing nothing terribly interesting about his comments. We know how Jimbo is, but uh, the one thing that that uh, broke the crowd up because. Uh, he, he talked very positively about most things and had a few questions and was very positive. And, and then one female uh, questioner raised her hand and said, well, what's what's the one thing you're worried most about this team? And everybody started chuckling because, you know, it's known that Jimbo is always positive and protecting his players and all this kind of stuff. And he hesitated for a minute and goes, well, really not nothing. <laughs> So he's not worried about anything. Well, he has been very upbeat for the most part. Now, this past week, he didn't meet with the media as frequently. I think there was a media opportunity expected over the weekend, and that didn't happen. Well, they didn't practice. They didn't practice one time. Yeah, and then, anyway, bottom line, he went several days without speaking to the media. He did speak to them last night on on top of speaking to the quarterback club. And a couple of things, and we'll get – Tim's reaction to this too. Uh, Matthew Thomas is still out. A couple of offensive linemen are now out for the year. Uh, reserve offensive linemen. We'll talk to Tim about that. I thought what was most interesting last night is that uh, he has named the return specialists in terms of punt return and kick return. And this is a much different look than what we've had during the Jimbo Fisher era. And when you're talking about uh, McFadden as your lead punt returner, who's a big frame guy. Uh, oh, by but, the way, he and Derwin were named to the AP preseason first team uh, All-American squad yesterday. Congratulations to them. But then more than the punt return, and, and you think about punt returners, I mean, you had Bobo and then Nooney last year. You've had Rashad Green. You had Greg Reed earlier in his career. Tyler Hunter returned some punts. I'm sure I'm leaving a couple people out. Uh, so McFadden isn't that far out of the mold from, you know, maybe a Rashad Green or somebody like that. But to have Keith Gavin and Derwin James back on kickoff return, that is a significant size differential than what's been there previously. Historically, and I don't know if it's by intent or just because of the way it worked out, but you would you would have a running back as a, as your return person. And your typical running back's 5'10 to 6'0, 180 to 200 pounds. Geez, you got monsters back there now, particularly with Gavin. I mean, we 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 talk about Derwin, we forget that he's, you know, 6'3, 210, whatever he is. But Gavin's what, 6'4? 225, 230, we saw what he could do with the one return he had in the Orange Bowl. That is, you're exactly right, that is a much different, and Jimbo talked about He'd rather have that big-bodied, fast guy. And, of course, the, the, if you're a Florida State fan, you know that one of the greatest returners in our history uh, was uh, Vanover. And Vanover was about 6'3", about 230. And ask Miami uh, what it's like to kick off a couple of times to, to Mark. And, and we're back to that mold and that pattern of a big guy that can run fast, not, not a jitterbug, not quick, but can get in a straight line and get going. And both of those guys fit that bill quite well. I'm skeptical. I, we talked about this last week. I'm skeptical, skeptical, skeptical about using Derwin back there because of the injury component. I'd prefer to use him on punts. I gave that rationale. You can use the 
fair catch. You can protect yourself, that type of thing. But he's still a very dangerous weapon back there. Well, Jimbo has not been shy about putting his best guys on the field. Uh, and that's one through eleven on special teams. Correct. There's plenty of starters, particularly out on there. your punt coverage nor, and your kickoff. Nor coverage has teams. he, been, nor has he been married to having an offensive guy necessarily being the guy catching the ball. I mean, uh, Michael Ray Garvin was, uh, and, and more notably, Lamarcus Joyner was back on kickoff returns, and and Lamarcus was the heartbeat of that defense you know, for a while. So to have Derwin returning kicks, that's not different than what Jimbo has done. No, from a from a position group, but again, from a body type and a size, right? That is a change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the physicality. That, well, just this is an oversimplification. But and obviously, uh, when you look at what Kermit did, his freshman year was his best year returning kicks. He he had one against Wake, and then he had one in the national championship game. And it felt like for the three years ensuing, we were waiting for that. And once in a while, he'd break free a little bit, but never to the same success. But him being as diminutive as he was, if he gets if he's at the twenty five yard line, he gets hit down. Which way is he falling? He's down. He's at the twenty five, or he just got knocked back to the twenty three. If Derwin gets hit at the 25 or gavin gets hit at the 25 pretty good chance that the ball is going to be at the 27 or 28 when they hit the ground or a defender hits the ground and they keep going right right so i mean and that's just if you if all if everything else is equal and you block it exactly the same you would think and, and again that's an oversimplification you mentioned to mark vanover i don't know if we have time or not but i'm going to do it because you were probably standing there with me this is an all-time great start of fall camp story that I'll share on Tomorrow. Remember when Coach Bowden used to, was it a mile and a half run that they would use to start camp? Either two mile and a half or two mile, yeah. All right. This goes back, well, obviously, if you're talking to Mark Vanover, we're going back some time. This is when Florida High was still standing next to the FSU Ran campus. On the track. As opposed to the College of Medicine. I think it was a mile and a half. So they would start on the track there at Florida High. Or no, actually, I guess maybe it was Mike Long track, but Florida High was still in the picture. So it was FSU's track. Basically, you'd run a lap around the track, then you'd run a mile in the streets and you come back and have one lap to go well tomorrow vanover started out and this is the whole team running and you have to make x amount of time depending on your segment he started out as if he was running a hundred yard sprint 100 meters that's i mean he was a half track ahead of everybody else on the track man tomorrow looks like he's in great shape he's ready to go and then they disappear behind florida high and then you wait eight, ten minutes, and everybody starts coming back. And here comes the walk-on DB and wide receiver that's leading the charge. And now here come the guys who are serious. And here comes the seniors. And here comes the offensive the linemen. <laughs> and here come the fat linemen. Still no Tamarik. And finally, they have him on the trainer's cart, and they're bringing him back in because he <laughs> he miscalculated a little bit how much uh, stamina was well, needed. He, he was only required to run about 110 <laughs> at any one time, so that was his mindset maybe. Well, I mean, it was just not quite the actual pace needed to, to, to make it a mile and a half. My senior year, we had to run two miles in 12 minutes, six-minute miles. And uh, the three years before, I had not even gotten close. So I went and I trained. I was in town. I got married and, and stayed in town uh, over that summer. And I trained on Mike Long track. I doing exactly like I was doing. And Wally Woodham was was our distance guy. He Wally c- could really run well for distance. And so I'm on his hip the entire time. And we get uh, on the backside. I've gone seven and a half laps. And, and Wally starts kicking it. And I try to kick it, and I ain't got no kick. <laughs> and the reason you wanted to make time is you were you were excused from the afternoon conditioning drills. You still had to do the morning conditioning drills, but you were excused from the afternoon conditioning drills if you made it two miles in 12 minutes. And I'm 
I'm doing my best. And, and, and the way they did it is they blow the whistle at 12 minutes and you just stopped wherever you were. And they do a visual of who had made it and who. Wally gets right past that line. And I'm, Tommy, I'm 20 yards, 22 yards from it. I mean, I'm off the curve. I, I can see the line. And they blow that freaking whistle. And I had to stop and stand there. And that was the loneliest feeling in my entire FSU career. I was 20 yards short of not having to run in the afternoon, and I didn't make it. <laughs> I was so disappointed. You want to go try and run two two miles in 12 minutes now? I can't run a lap in 12 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, I think I misspoke, yeah. <laughs> All right. Tim Linnefeld, our Seminoles.com insider, will join us uh, coming up. I'll remind you that, uh, it, and uh, Keith, you're on campus a lot. I'm on campus a lot. It's a little more congested now. Um, I feel bad for all the parking gates on campus because how many of those, their lives how are many short-lived of those, at this point. How many of those boards have been will be snapped in the first that's, week? That's my point. <laughs> anyway. Just uh, south of campus, head over to uh, College Town. Visit our good friends at uh, Madison Social Centrale Township. Township announced they're going to have their inaugural Oktoberfest coming up on October 14th. You can find out more info on Facebook about that. They've got the new venture, Sodo, opening up uh, in September. And I actually uh, got together with uh, Matt Thompson, who's part of the Brain Trust of uh, For the Table Hospitality this week. And he informed me that uh, as they are ready to roll out some menu items with, with Sodo, which will be in Midtown and is a bakery, that he was going to lean on the expertise of the Front Row Knowles crew to uh, to help sample uh, said menu items. Time and place. Time and place. Yes, that's that's what we're looking for, Matt. You know how to reach us. All right, we'll, <laughs> we're just getting cranked up here on Front Row Knowles. Stay with us. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Keith Jones is dancing in the studio. He's hearkening back to his day. Hey, me and uh, Coach Trickett. Our legs are moving. Remember the, the article by Jim Henry in the yes, Democrat? Yes, I do. Our, our legs are moving. It is time to welcome our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld, as we go to the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Tim, I wish you could have uh, observed the spectacle that was KJ as we came back from break there. How are you? I'm doing well. And, and you know, I'm probably better off not witnessing that spectacle. Well, all, all of our listeners are better off It would have been the same as looking at the eclipse. But without the, without the right glasses. Yeah. Uh, all right. Fair enough. I can burn a retina. I'm, I can also screw up your golf game. Invite me to play. I'll show you how to do that. <laughs> I'm just glad to know we all survived uh, the eclipse from earlier this week. Tim, uh, Jimbo was quiet for a few days, then met the media again last night. Keith and I already talked about uh, the excitement we have for the specialists, not the specialists, but the return guys that he announced as starters uh, last night. Any surprise? I mean, I know you've been out at practice, but are any thoughts on – uh, you know, McFadden and then Gavin and Derwin being on kickoffs? Well, I, I think, you know, you're, you're a little surprised. I think conventional wisdom among, you know, most football fans suggests that you don't want you know, your, your big all-American type guys or the people you're, you're relying on in your base offense and your base defense to have extra chances to get hurt. But, you know, Jimbo Fisher, this isn't a new thing. He's never really prescribed to that theory. And when you go back and look at who he's had returning kicks 
really ever since he's been here uh, as head coach and even beyond, it's always big names. You know, I man, it's Rashad Green, LaMarcus Joyner, Greg Reed, uh, whoever. Uh, he doesn't prescribe to that theory of, of worrying about guys getting hurt. I remember him being asked about it uh, four years ago. Somebody asked if, if you – how smart was it to have LaMarcus Joyner returning kicks because he could get hurt? He's like, man, you don't think that way. I mean, a guy can get hurt at any time, anywhere. It's just part of the risk you take. And so you, with that in mind, you, you put the best guys back there and, and see what happens. So I, I actually kind of tend to agree with that theory. I think it's smart. I, I, you know, I like the idea of putting the ball uh, in the hands of your best guys. Uh, I think we've talked on, on this show before. I, if I'm a you know a kick coverage guy and I see Derwin James running at me with the ball with a full head of steam, I might think twice before I get in his way. The uh, same goes for Keith Gavin. Uh, I think his justification for having Tavares McFadden on punt returns is pretty good too. Uh, you you want a guy you, you know how much Jimbo values guys who can catch the ball first and foremost. Make sure you, you hang on to the ball um, and, and then see if you can do something with it. And you know who better to do that than an All-American cornerback who's who's really really good at going up and finding the ball. Uh, in traffic and, and, and handling it and, and catching it securely. So uh, I, I think it works. I mean, there's there's risk of injury, sure, but, man, there's risk of injury on every single play. So I, I don't think you can live in your fears like that. And, you know, putting your, your best athletes in position to make plays, I, I don't see what the issue is. Well, and beyond that, yeah, I don't – Keith and I talked about that a little. I mean, Jimbo has never been afraid of that. Um Maybe more when you consider that there were other running backs and highly talented. I mean, obviously, Florida State's not short on talented guys that can tote the football. So the fact that Gavin and Derwin beat out Cam Akers and others there, any surprise or what does that speak to about that that tandem? Uh, I think there's really good at it. I think he really loves the idea of having two big physical bodies back there. It, you know, for as much as he has put uh, his talented guys back there, and I, I forgot Jalen Ramsey too. Remember, he did that a couple of years ago. Uh, I don't know that he's ever had a combo like this where both of them are as tall as they are, as big and as thick as they are. So you have two guys who are fast and big and can break tackles. And he's mentioned uh, twice now on separate different occasions how much he loves having the other big physical body there to serve as a, a really good blocker. Uh, so I think he's kind of excited to see what he has there. It will be something of a, of a difference just in terms of, of their physical traits. Uh, and so I think the two of them together uh, is, is as appealing as each of them individually, if that makes sense. I think he likes having two big guys who can run. Just the one, Tim. I, I had the opportunity to speak at the Tallahassee Quarterback Club for a little bit last I night. That. Yep, yeah. And uh, uh, two things that that that, one, that I mentioned. Uh, one, our listeners will be interested in. We mentioned it previously, but AP uh, has come out with their first preseason All-American team, and James and, and McFadden are on that. But uh, I pointed out to the Quarterback Club members last night of all the postseason individual awards. Uh, there, there's 11 starters on offense, 11 on defense. Duh, that's 22. If you add your kicker and your punter, that's 24. 13 of Florida State's 24 starters are on watch list for individual postseason awards. I don't, I don't ever remember it being that many. Man, I, I, I don't know if I can remember that many either. Uh, yes, that's a good, uh, that's a good point. And, and you know what else I thought, and it's kind of on that same same vein is when the uh, the preseason all ACC teams came out uh you know everybody you know I think Miami and Clemson had had more guys than Florida State did on the actual teams but if you actually looked at the the vote breakdown Florida State more Florida State players got more votes than anybody by a, a pretty wide right market. uh and I, I think that kind of speaks to that as well no I mean this is, this is a talented roster uh you know we'll see how things come together uh, pretty soon here uh but I mean yeah it, it's 
it, it's kind of weird because like, kind of like we were saying, you know, that maybe not as many guys on the uh, the All American list or and the All ACCs or what have you, but there's a ton of guys getting consideration. I joked when the first watch list came out in July that pretty soon there would be a an award for the long snapper of the year. And I don't know if we followed up on this, but I swear like 48 hours later, I saw that there's actually a holder of the year watch list. I'm not making that up. Am I t- it's either a holder or a long snap. There's a, there's a watch list for one of those honors. Well, there's, there's coach of the year watch list, which seems, I mean, how do you even have that? I don't know. I don't know how that works. But, uh, but there, and, and Jimbo wasn't on it, remarkably. I think every every coach in the country in a Power 5 conference was, and then somehow or another he wasn't. So, uh, I, you know, that, kind of, that stuff's kind of silly. I can assure you that if they do a watch list for sideline reporters, I will not be on it because nobody's <laughs> looking to watch me in the vast field of sideline reporters that's out there. Well, no one's looking to watch you because you're on the radio. Okay, thank you for that. Let's talk offensive line here, Tim. Two linemen out for the year, reserve linemen. Obviously, that affects depth maybe more than anything, or is that more significant than I'm making that out with that statement? I, I think as of today, it's more significant for depth. I think maybe on Johnson's a little bit more of a concern because I think everybody was kind of expecting him to be the second choice offensive lineman. And some people even thought he could challenge for a starting job. And, you know, maybe by the middle or end of the season, he could have, uh, but that's obviously not going to happen now. So right at the center spot, you're down to six far scholarship guys to Alec Everly and Corey Martinez. But the one thing I thought was, and, uh, and Baselli too, excuse me. Um, but I remember I thought that, uh, you know, Jim, Jim was asked about it the other night and he said, no, look, I mean, they do cross-train guys. Uh, they have worked their guard, their guards at center. They sound like they're pretty confident in, in those guys to step in and snap the ball if they need to. So I don't think he's too, too concerned about that um, as far as the depth of the center spot, especially, you know, look, if everything goes according to plan, Alec Everly is going to be your center anyway. And, you know, there's nothing saying that he can't hold that job for, for the, you know, the duration of the year. So uh, if, if that's the case, then I think you're going to be okay. Uh, as far as Juwan Williams, I, that's disappointing uh, for him more than anything. I think, you know, he was one of the guys in the spring that everybody sort of thought had a pretty good chance to, uh, to earn that left tackle job. But as uh, we moved into fall camp and, and, and over the, the last few weeks of fall camp, um, or excuse me, at the beginning, it uh, kind of seemed that, you know, they were going in a different direction. So, you know, you would have liked to have thought that healthy he could have you know thrown his name back into that ring and, and maybe made something happen for himself but uh well plus he's not, he's already redshirt hasn't he yes yeah so, so if they want additional eligibility he will have to seek a hardship yeah but it's a little while before they have to worry about that too uh you know you kind of kind of go and go back and point back to it but uh you know at that spot at that left tackle spot it sounds like they really like Derek kelly uh he seems about as solidified as, as anybody could be uh at, at that spot um, you know, Jimbo mentioned him again. So he did a really good job. Said he made one one mistake uh, in the scrimmage the other night. He didn't say exactly what that was, but other than that, uh, he's playing really, really well. So uh, you know, I, I suspect I'll, at this point I'll be surprised if, if Derek Kelly isn't the starting left tackle against Alabama. All right, Tim, I gave you fair warning on this next portion of the program. Hey, he gave me warning. I don't know if it was fair warning. Any warning from Mister Block is considered fair warning. Let me let me you just tell so. you that. All right, all right. So Rapid Fire was a big hit. Our uh, uh, The plethora of, of appreciators of this fine program that we have, uh, we still receive letters about how much they enjoyed the, the Rapid Fire segments from a year ago. So we're going to uh, return that right now. Some, but how, like a lot of how many? Like I mean, you prepared 113. How many well, are you going to use? Well, here's the thing. I in, These are not specific to the Alabama game, Tim. I'm saving those for next week. These are okay. these are season-long questions. So we will, we will record this, and we will play it back in December in that lull. 
between the bowl game and the college football playoffs that Florida State will be in, and and we'll grade you. Are you ready? Okay. You got there, well, there. There are several. Do you have a glass of water there? I mean, well, well, well knowing that this is going to air between the end of the season and the playoff, that gives me a little more. Uh, you know, I, I can kind of piece together some answers better, knowing that they're going to be in the playoff. Exactly. Exactly. I thought I would help you out that way. So, yeah, appreciate it. All right, here we go. You're on the clock now. DeAndre Francois threw 20 touchdown passes a year ago. Over under 20 and a half touchdown passes this year. Over, and I'm, I, I feel pretty good about that one. Leading tackler on the team this year will be. Derwin James. That was an easy one. That's going to be the obvious answer. All right. McFadden had eight picks last year. I'm setting the bar at seven and a half, over or under? Under, but not by much. I think some other guys are going to get some. The leading rusher on the team will be? Ooh. Dum, 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 dum. Jock Patrick, but not by much. That's going to be close. I love how you qualify every response just to give yourself a little out. How about? Well, no, I'm not, no, that's not a qualification. That is. That is I mean, why not? Why not just say it's going to be Patrick? But if it's not Patrick, it'll be either Acres or you know Ryan no, Green. No, I, don't, I don't believe that. I think it's going to be Patrick. But I'm I'm further doubling doubling down and telling you by how much. Okay. All right. Yeah. The leader in touchdowns this year will be. What do you mean? Who's going to score the most mean, touchdowns? You mean, the, you mean aside it, from DeAndre Francois? <laughs> yeah, I don't mean passing. I, it could be the rushing. person who got credit for the touchdown. Dalvin Cook All scored right. a bunch of them last year, and I'm, I'm discounting right. kickers. So who's going to score the most touchdowns on the team this year? Not counting passing touchdowns. Michael and Murray. All right. The leader in sacks will be? Josh Sweat. But I, but I, I go back and forth. I really want to say Burns, but I think it's going to be Sweat. There, see, there's the wiggle room I was talking about. Did you catch well, that? No. <laughs> I, I, call, it's not a wiggle; it's a gummy bear. Come all right, on. all right. You have you have Nyquan Murray leading in touchdowns, so I, I have a feeling I know where you're going to go here. But the the leading receiver by receptions will be that would be number of receptions. Also, Nyquan Murray. Okay, second leading receiver. Kate, but I'm going to say those are close too. All right. Trey Marshall was flagged for targeting twice last year. I'm setting the over-under at one and a half. Where are you going? Oh, gosh. Under, I hope. <laughs> I think it'll be under. I think it'll be under. Because they, 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 they have to, right? I mean, he has to. they they got to find a way to keep him on the field. I would agree. Ricky Aguayo last year was 19 of 26 on field goals. Uh, fewer or uh, or more field goals made this year? More. All right. Fewer or more misses? Fewer. Oh, you got him. I like the way he's... he's That percentage is going up. It is. All right, fourth down conversions a year ago as a team, FSU was three out of five. This is really a bigger picture question, but I'm wondering if in light of self-reflection and looking back last year, particularly in my mind at the North Carolina game when Jimbo opted to kick field goals instead of go for it, Basically, the question I'm asking is, will Florida State attempt more fourth down conversions this year than a year ago? They were three for five last year, so more more or less than five attempts. Five's kind of a lot, but I think more, and I think that, that goes into who they have at the running back position uh, between Jock Westpatrick and, and Cam Akers, especially some, some big guys who I think in, in short yardage situations, they can be confident and make some things happen. So I do think that they'll We'll try to do a little bit more there. It occurs to me that I've got so many questions that this really isn't rapid fire, but it's some sort of fire, so we're going to keep going. We've gone from a sprint 
to a marathon. Exactly. To go back to, to Mark Vanover reference again from our first segment. Go back and listen to that, Tim. This is okay. hard. This is hard to fathom. But a year ago, FSU had 15 interceptions as a team. They had 37 total return yards, which basically means every time they made an interception, they fell down. down. So how many games this year until they have more than 37 total INT return yards? Oh, gee. Uh, Keith's holding up a number, and I'm in agreement. That's what I thought in my head. Two. Yep. We're all, how about that? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, basically one interception, and there's a little bit of daylight. You're going to get 37 yards. One would think. Yep. Yep. All right, Logan Tyler averaged 40.3 yards per punt last year. I'm setting it at 42, so over under 42 yards per punt for his average. I'm leaning under. I think it'll probably be pretty close to what it was last year. Ooh, Maybe a little better. That's not encouraging. Are not you, at are all. Are you hearing not good things from camp? No, no. I, I, I don't know. But maybe. You, it's hard to say that kind of stuff, you know? Touchdowns for uh, Izzo this year. That's good. So you you have an over under. I got I got to name it. Well, he had one last year. So let's let's make a little more. Let's say three and a half. I go under. I think three is a pretty good number. Okay. Here's this. This one's a really good one. I'm I'm impressed with myself on this one. Is Derwin James going to have more sacks or interceptions? This is actually an easy one. Ah, sacks. Easily sacks. Easily sacks. Easily sacks. Yeah. All right, Mr. Uh, big Talker over there. What do you got? How many sacks? How many picks, KJ? I, I think you're looking at double digits. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, you think he's going to be in there in that they're dime gonna rabbit? Be, they're going to be in dime rabbit, and they're going to be using him. So we're going to win him a Heisman this year. I mean, he's returning kicks. You got him with more sacks than picks. He's going to lead the team in tackles. And Jimbo said last night that he's worked him some in offense. So... I'm, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying he may be no, sitting was, in New York for a, a for the second, presentation. Second weekend of December, I hear what you're saying. Will there be a will FSU shut out an opponent this year? No, that's hard to do anymore. Wake Forest is on the schedule. Of course, those <laughs> shutouts are generally at home. Will they play a team twice? Yes, they could play a few teams twice. <laughs> they could. That's why I asked the question. Well, I. I, 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 I how about if the over and under is 1.5 that they will play a team twice mm. so will they play will they play more than one team twice i think mean, mathematically you, you you gotta take the under on that but uh but yeah i well, i'm 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 thinking they're gonna play miami twice and i think they're yeah. gonna play alabama twice all right, here, here's the last well, you one. You realize there's a, there's a scenario they could play three teams twice. Clemson could be in that mix. You are exactly correct. Yep. yep. I saved the best for last year, Tim. Keith and I haven't talked about this. We'll do this next segment, and we'll, we'll flesh this out a little bit. But a uh, point of emphasis this year is that officials don't have to give a sideline warning to coaches uh, or start with those five-yard penalties that they previously did. They can just come over and flag the guy for 15 yards for – for, for coming out onto the field, let, let me, let, okay. The augmented rule governing sideline behavior. An official can now issue a 15-yard penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct when a coach encroaches on the field to protest, quote, or otherwise demonstrate disagreement with an officiating decision, end quote. Does that qualify as a bitch? Previously, they could issue sideline warning and two separate five-yard flags before the 15-yard penalty. Now they can skip the five-yard penalties. So I've got the over-under at .5. 15-yard unsportsmanlike conduct penalties on Jimbo this year. Oof. I'll take the under. I think even with that new rule, I think officials are going to be awfully uh, 
they're, I don't think they're going to be quick to, to throw that flag right off the bat. Oh, I don't, man, I disagree. I, I, I think they're going to be very much wanting to throw that flag that now they have the opportunity. Here's here's the thing, you know, when we had media day and they took that team photo and there were several comments about how big the staff was. What we didn't realize at the time is that they've hired six more get back coaches <laughs> to pull all the assistant coaches back off the field. That's why there was You know the one guy there. you don't ever have to worry about this happening to. Well, I'm going to guess the coaches that are in the No, well, that's true too, but you know the one guy you won't ever have to worry about this happening to is Trickett. Because he's always way down on the other end, about five yards off of the field, usually by himself, even when Florida State has the ball. That's where he got the base. He's looking at the line. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So here's the good news, Tim. A, you're done. That wasn't that painful, was it? And B, we can't even tell the answers until after the year's done. Yeah, yeah. It'll be four months before we know if you're right. So, I mean. (laughs) Some of them will know. Some of them will know. That's true. We'll, well know in the, game two if Florida State interception has return yards, interception return yards, right. or or if Jim Boat got a penalty. Yeah, in the yeah, Alabama we may, game. We may know that five minutes into the season. Uh, Tim, I, just just in the effort to be, it's not even equitable, but just to give you a chance. Are there any things you would like to ask Keith and I right now? Oh gosh, put us uh, on the record here. I have to think. No, I don't think so. I don't think. Uh, All right, let the record reflect. We gave him a chance, and he had no. We're not. Going, we're not worthy of Linnefeld's thoughts, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> what was that about Friday night? Admit, maybe where you're going to dinner in Atlanta on Friday night. So that's about all I got. Well, uh, we'll include you in those plans. Don't worry about okay. that. Okay. All right. All right. Don't worry about it. Tim, we appreciate your insight as always. I'm glad that a game week is finally here. And we do here solemnly swear that we will talk about Alabama next week on the show. I think there's plenty to discuss. All right. That is our signals.com insider, Tim Linnefeld, on the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. You're grinning again. I was just going to remind you with the revamped Seminoles.com website to remind our folks that you can catch all the uh, press conferences and uh, all of Tim's articles and uh, insights, and uh, you need to spend some time on the website. Uh, There's a lot of good information there. There you go. There's a lot of good information forthcoming as we continue on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. I should have said an over-under for that last segment because apparently we went way long there. So uh, that means less of us the rest of the Ma- way. Matthew is not happy with us. Yeah, uh, and neither are our sponsors. Apologies there. But uh, you got more of Tim, which that's never a bad thing. And we will grade him. Uh, as I mentioned, somewhere right before the Christmas holiday, we'll we'll go back and we'll don't, we'll, don't lose that piece of paper. We'll check the tape. Well, hopefully then the, we'll have to go. Hopefully to the, tape. the tape stuck. Yeah, uh, let's let's expound upon this conversation about the sideline warnings. And again, so previously officials could issue a sideline warning. Hey, Jimbo, watch it. Consider yourself warned. And then they could throw five yard two flags that would be five yards apiece before getting to the fifteen yard unsportsmanlike conduct. Now they can skip the five yard penalty and I suppose they can skip the sideline warning, though I don't think they will. My question about the sideline warning, and forgive me, I don't remember, was the sideline warning always announced or could it just be I'm telling you what constituted that? I don't know the answer. I think typically they have announced it, but I think it gets lost in the shuffle sometimes from a production standpoint on the TV side, they may not be aware that that the official just turned on his mic and said it was a sideline warning. Um, 
And the sideline warning doesn't have to be on the head coach, by the way, just to Correct. clarify. We're lumping this. The one last year, many people assumed was on Jimbo, and it was not it was on, on Jimbo. Another team, it was on another, you have somebody member. else on the staff there. Um, I don't think so. Let's let's talk about the stage. You got you, you let, got you got Saban and Jimbo. Well, let me interrupt you. Will Jimbo have a get back guy? He's going to need one because Charles Kelly has one full time, right? Who's always grabbing him, right? Will Jimbo need one? I think he will at times. I think this is sort of like college basketball, and when they enforce, we talked about this coach's on, on the phone. Well, coach's box, but hand checks, they call all that in the non-conference, and then it kind of goes away, and you know the game, it, it sort of moves the way they officiate the game. What I was going to say is, are, are the officials really going to come out? you got Saban versus Jimbo, the GOAT game, the top two winningest programs in the last 10 years, and one of the coaches goes nuts. Is their first reaction going to be, well, that's a point of emphasis this year, Nick or Jimbo. Here's a 15-yarder. I believe it will be. See, I think they'll still give a warning first and then – I, I, I mean, neither one of us will know who was yeah. right or wrong until and unless it happens. But the the reason they make it a point of emphasis is to call it. Right. Not, well, not and, to not call it. So certainly they have the stage and all the nation will be watching. So if they want to communicate a message to what they could do is just tell both coaches ahead of time, we're going to flag each of you once and then go and do it. And, and the rest of America would say, hmm. <laughs> No, I, I think it'll be interesting to see how they officiate that. There's really not many rule changes this year. Uh, the nameplate is now included in the horse collar tackle for a 15 Explain that penalty. to me. Uh, you're basically between the shoulder blades, I guess, is what they're saying, which is where your name goes across your back. But what if you grab just the jersey? I would read that as a penalty. I, I would as well, yeah. but, I, but I didn't. you looked these up. I didn't specifically look them up because typically the ho- uh, collar was the shoulder pad. Right. And and if they're expanding it to the jersey, uh, that that could potentially be significant. They uh, also players are prohibited from jumping over offensive linemen to block a kick. Well, that that has always been the case. If you landed on an offensive lineman, what they're taking away is those that were good enough to actually do it, right? And go all <laughs> the way over. So those are basically one other change has to do with time management. And so halftime's 20 minutes, but a lot of times what happens is they wait they till the, start it. Yeah, they wait till the coach does the interview. They wait till the band's on the field. Then they start the 20-minute clock. No more. No more. Clock hits zero. They're going to start it at 20. So ha- so that will shorten the game a little bit. Also, the red hat, which is TV talk for the guy that comes out on the field and holds his arm up, that is the television. Not TV talk. He has a red hat on. Timeout coordinator. He normally would stand on the field until the producer in the truck got back from break at zero, and then he would move his hand and the official would take over. Now they're going to have that guy leave the field or signal to the ref with 15 or 20 seconds left, get off the field, so that as soon as it hits zero, the official can give the ready-for-play signal, which basically means TV networks will have to be more creative cramming some content in coming back from break. Well, and the communication between the, the, the coordinator in the truck and the on-field coordinator obviously going to be important as well. So in other Here, words... Here's, by the way, what's going to happen. You're going to have, in, game, in week one, back to the halftime, you're going to have some five-yard delay of game penalties because coaching staff is not going to be prepared because if you start that 20-minute clock at the end... It used to be 22, 23, 24-minute times, And that three or four minutes doesn't seem significant, okay? But that's 15 or 
of what you were used to having, which means once the players get back into the locker room, they might have had five minutes to collect themselves before they went into their segment meetings. Now they're going to have two minutes to collect themselves. That is significant, and somebody's going to mess that up. And though it was months ago, the last game was the Orange Bowl where the halftime is like oh, 35 four, minutes yeah, or something. I mean, yeah. it's forever. Yeah. So uh, in, in case you're wondering, not that you wouldn't have several people paying attention to this on staff, but there is a clock in the locker rooms that's counting backwards so that at all times everybody can see when. There's and there's a specific a specific G- time when specialists are somewhere else on the that, field. That, because, you know, Coach Bowden would be in the middle even 35, 40 years ago, be middle of, of his halftime talk and, and – uh, uh, I think it was McDowell during that time. It might have been Gladden. I don't know. But one of the assistant coaches would be going, Coach, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. Because, you know, you just don't tell 100 people to get up and walk outside. That doesn't happen in 30 seconds, you know, yeah. uh, et cetera, et cetera. My sense will be it won't be a huge issue. I don't disagree that somebody will get out late this year. I think it'll be several. We'll see. Yep. We'll see. That's, but that's basically it in terms of the rules changes this year. They, they, they changed the rules in two-year cycles, so significant changes were not going to happen this Correct. year. Um, but in terms of what to be paying attention to as the college football season unfolds uh, this weekend, that's really what you're looking at. I can Our, tell you the one that Jimbo wants changed. What's that? The carryover of the targeting rule because Trey Marshall is going to miss the first half of the Alabama game for something he did in the Orange Bowl. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Uh I don't have anything to offer on that. We 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 complained about it last year at the time. It seemed silly. The rule's the rule. The targeting rule is what it is. You can't bitch and complain about the targeting rule. And by what, the way, what they, you need to complain about is changing the targeting rule. And they looked at it and decided to leave everything exactly the same with the targeting rule for which, this year. Which um, I wasn't on that committee, and that would not have been my vote. But that the rule's the rule. Know it. Live with it. All right, we're going to talk uh, NFL Hall of Fame in light of uh, a certain seminal that retired this week when we continue on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles. Let's talk some former Knowles here, KJ. Big news this week. Anquan Bolden, surprisingly, after just signing with Buffalo, announced that he's hanging it up. Congratulations to Anquan, by the way, for just uh, one terrific NFL career. I, I was absolutely shocked when I read that he was retiring because, he, although he, he doesn't get the number of touches and opportunities over the last couple of three years, but he was still unbelievably big, strong, effective, particularly in the red zone. Uh, you know, for anybody that he played for, and what a what a just a dynamic, good guy. He, he he was a guy you wanted in your locker room, wanted on the field in terms of the intangibles that he brings to a team. Well, he basically announced, and I don't recall ever reading a retirement statement from a player that, paraphrasing, basically said he's retiring from football because it's he needs to go make the world a better place. I exactly. mean, that, that's about what he said in his retirement statement. Um, it leads to this question, and there will be several years to deliberate. He's not going to be eligible for five years. Is he a Hall of Famer? And you can make compelling arguments both ways. 
as much as I would personally love to see him in the Hall of Fame, my thought is that he doesn't get in. Well, you, you've done the research and shared it with me. He's uh, 14th all-time in reception yardage at uh, 13,779. And not to steal your thunder, but that's more yardage than Art Monk, Steve Largent, and Andre Reed. All three of those are in the Hall of Fame. He's ninth all-time in catches, 1,076 catches. Uh, if he'd have had another season... He only needed about 30 catches, 35 catches to move into the top five. Yeah, that was why I wanted him to play another year exactly. just to kind of pad the stats. I would tell you, however, being in the top 10 all-time in receptions, to me, to me, is an absolute qualifier. In other words, that means that he should be voted on and should be paid attention to. Um, you make the argument, and I'll let you present it, that he never was the go-to guy, the number one receiver, uh, not only for the league but for his team. His body of work is the consistency uh, of – how many years did he play? 13, 14, 15? Right, I think 14. 14. His uh, calling card was his consistency because he, in my opinion, was just as valuable in year 14 as he was in year two. I want to be clear that I'm not arguing against his inclusion in the Hall of Fame. I'm just trying to You're being a homer who's being cautious. Well, the other problem that's happened is so the game has evolved, and and I I feel like if I look – like take the Steelers of the 70s. Both Lin Swan and Stallworth are in the Hall of Fame, are they not? I think. But their numbers are very low. Right, because the passing game has evolved. It's a totally different game now. So now you take a team like the Cardinals, and Larry Fitzgerald is the more marquee guy than Bolden, and he's going to get in the Hall of Fame. He's still playing. Uh, And Bolden being the number two guy, and and this year alone, other guys that uh, have hung it up, Calvin Johnson, Reggie Wayne, Andre Johnson, Steve Smith, or in the last year or two. So if you put those names out there with Anquan, where does he rank just among those peers that are going to be eligible for the Hall of Fame at the same time? And then that uh, takes by extension. Let's look at the running back position. And the number one name for Florida State fans that come up is, is Warwick Dunn. And, and we didn't pull his numbers. But but you can make the same argument about Dunn because some did that he wasn't even the best back in his backfield when Mike Allstott was there. Correct. Correct. But, but, but the longevity but and the, the numbers. Longevity, are, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, again, there are no – for those of you who aren't familiar, there are no pre-qualifications for the Hall of Fame. It's strictly up to the voters. And the one thing that I think might be in Anquan's favor, because remember, all these voters are old people like us. You know, remember the time he had the facial injury uh, and had, you know, what did you look up? Seven plates and 40 yeah, screws. Yeah, he had a broken face that broken required face. seven plates and 40 screws to put and back played. together. Two weeks later, three weeks something later, like something like that. He was the, um, man of the year. 2015, I think, man of the year. Uh, you know, the things that he's oh, done he's with his foundation. You can clearly argue that he should be in. And that's why I think if you're on, in his case, if you're on the fence, on the borderline, I think some of his intangibles are going to resonate with the voters. And I'm not suggesting he's going to be a first ballot, you know, Derek Brooks, Walter Jones Hall of Fame guy. Uh, but I'll be very disappointed if 10 years from now, you remember, you got to set out five years right. for eligibility. But within that first five years of eligibility, I will be disappointed if he is not voted in. Well, I hope that he is, too. Florida State has four in the hall right now. I don't know if Warwick ever will get in or not. 
another guy who's which basically means you end up in the hall of pretty damn good but not the hall of fame right a guy that I thought would get more traction that never did is is Leroy Butler because unlike Anquan and Warwick, who, as we just pointed out, some would make the argument they weren't the best in the league at their position during their career. I mean, they were clearly better receivers than Bolden or better running backs than Dunn. Leroy Butler was the all-decade safety in the 90s. I Correct. mean, he was the guy at the position. Uh, he was the first safety that had, I think, Speaking of Derwin and the sacks INT question, I think he was the first NFL safety that had 20 career sacks and 20 career picks. Might have been 30 and 30. I don't remember. I just thought there would be a little bit of movement on him at some point, and there hasn't been. And it sort of had me thinking, so who is the next Florida State Hall of Famer if it's not any of those three that we just mentioned? And so you look at guys that have been in the league a while, like Janikowski, who's been kicking forever. But it's hard for kickers to get in. And Janikowski is nowhere close. If you look at like Justin Tucker right now, his career accuracy is 89%. I looked this up on field goals. Janikowski is like 40th historically. He's 80%, which is pretty doggone good. But 40th most accurate field goal kicker isn't getting you in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, it, it's sort of really what we're asking is who's the best FSU guy in the league right now. And obviously Jameis is just going into year three. And depending on his how his career plays out he could be a guy that has a shot maybe Devonte if his if he keeps tread on his tires but i think it's more like a rodney hudson who's one of the top two or three centers in the league or a xavier rhodes and both those guys need another eight to ten years to even you know all those guys point do. is it might be a while before there's yeah if it's not guy. and i hope i'm wrong i hope i hope bolden does get in i hope dunn gets in i hope i hope butler gets in yep i just don't know that i see it and of course that piggybacks the article that Corey had in the paper you know his suggestion of the 10 best nfl players that uh, left florida state uh he left jt thomas off that list i'm gonna hit him in the ear for that one uh you win four super bowls and start in all four super bowls and win all four super bowls uh you're in the hall of fame i don't care who you are don't tell Corey, and i don't know that he listens to the show i didn't read the article so maybe i should maybe during the break as we'll come back and wrap up front row knolls right after this Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. And uh, as we finish up, I will remind you that if you have a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, as you just heard... Head on out to Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Visit Ron and his staff there. Take care of all your power tool needs. couple locations, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Online at ctf.nu or call them at 580-1200. Next week. Next week. Some X's and O's. Game week. Yep. Kickoff luncheon is Friday. I'm sure many of the listeners uh, to this fine program will be at the Alumni Association's kickoff luncheon. Are you going this year? I am. I am. I am as well. Uh, that'll be a good time. Then we'll uh, have some college football. Not great games, but games nevertheless over the weekend. And then we'll a be game in game. Australia. There is that. I, I've you know is that Stanford and Rice. Every time I'm that? over in the Moore Center, I I just. I drop little notes and hints to say, can we get FSU to play a game in Ireland or Australia or somewhere? Can we work on that? It's all revenue-based. We've talked about it. Somebody wants to pay him $5 million to play in Australia, I'll see you in Sydney next year. Keith. Show me the money. Show me the money. We say that each and every week when we finish this show. We'll talk to you next week on Front Row Knowles. <laughs>